0: morning, Zion. It's going to be good today. So just a, a real quick review. We've been in a series on healing, and uh, a couple weeks ago we started, we looked at real faith for healing and how faith comes from looking at Jesus. It's a reflexive action from fixing our eyes on Jesus. Then we looked at we want to pursue the healer and not healing, and we looked at how the Israelites, they feasted on the Lamb of God, and uh, the next day they uh, walked out of slavery, none feeble among them. Two to three million people instantly healed by feasting on the Lamb. Uh, Last week we looked at, uh, we want to move from familiarity to faith. We looked at that story of how Jesus, he's in his hometown, he's preaching, people are being touched, miracles are happening, all of a sudden they're like, hold on, isn't this the carpenter's kid? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? And that familiarity says they took offense and they moved into unbelief, and Jesus could not do many mighty miracles. And so um, it was interesting, so I preached that last Sunday, and then on Monday Mary and I went and spoke, she did worship, I spoke at a Catholic school of supernatural ministry. I didn't even know there was such a thing. That's absolutely amazing. And so it was outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, up in Brighton, Michigan. And I tell you what, these were 300 of the hungriest people I have ever been around. Like, like, so like, talk about a lack of familiarity. It was all fresh and new to them. And they wanted every drop that Jesus paid for. And so it was, uh, it was in the top three most fun times I've ever had in my life. So... Uh, one of the other ones was in Uganda, and uh, another one was when I uh, rented a sports car and drove it through the mountains for three hours and got a ticket. And so um, it was so fun. It was unbelievable. And so like they, you know, every state, I mean, the priests were laughing so hard they were banging their heads on the table. Like, like that's how receptive they were to like my jokes and stuff like that. And so afterward so they, they were just hungry for everything. We, we taught on healing, and they wanted a prayer of impartation. And so you see um, in different places in the Bible where Paul says things like this, I desire to come and lay my hands in you and impart to you a spiritual gift, and like Romans 1-5. We see like in uh, 1 Timothy, where he talks about how Timothy had a gift imparted to him through the laying on of hands from the elders. And so the way I look at it is when you have Jesus, you have everything, but God had, puts a grace on some people's life and it adds gas to the fire that's already in there. So I don't feel like you're getting something brand new. I feel like it's waking something on the inside of you that Jesus already put in there. And so... Uh, so Okay, this is funny. The Catholics—they like this group—they calculated the percentage of people who, when they received prayer, they fell down because they encountered God so powerfully. We call that being slain in the spirit or getting whacked. And so they actually tally up the percentage of people that get uh, that get slain slain in the spirit. I mean, like they're going for it there. And so I guess there was over 90% of the people we prayed for uh, encountered God, fell. So you know, just hundreds of bodies all over the gym floor. Every priest we prayed for got slain in the spirit and violently shook for a long time. It's wild seeing priests with the collars on, like yelling, more Lord, and praying and like flying backwards and shaking on the ground, and it was like, this is fun. This was not the Catholic church that I went to a a time or two as a kid, so it was was a lot different, so. But I think what really struck me, oh, oh, by the way, um, Father Matthias leads the movement. We're going to bring him here to Zion when it gets a little warmer in the spring. Can you imagine a Catholic charismatic priest at Zion? This guy, he is highly combustible. Like it doesn't, all you got to do is start talking about Jesus and he works himself up to a foaming frenzy. And so uh, just a a beautiful man and uh, Patrick Rice was up there, Uh, he used to be in Columbus, he moved up there um, because the Catholic church, uh, anyway, it was more receptive up in Michigan than it was here. And so they got a wide open door there, they're touching lots of lives and so Super, super uh, fun. One of the testimonies we heard, so they they had just activated people in healing the week before and taught them and challenged them to go out. And so one of the girls, uh, she went back to her home uh, parish, and when she was uh, at the confessional booth with the priest, the priest said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to stand up during the confessional. I got this back problem. And uh, she says, well, can I pray for you? And so she prays for the priest in the confessional, and he gets healed during the confessional time. (laughs) Something is happening in the Catholic church, gang. And so there's a um, verse in Romans 11 that talks about how the Gentile church is supposed to make the Jews jealous. They're supposed to see, hold on, this is the covenant we were supposed to have all along. We want that. I feel like that's what's going to happen to the evangelical church, that the Catholics are actually going to make us jealous. Gang, I haven't seen that kind of hunger in years. And I'll tell you, it did something to my own, own heart to say, you know what, I remember being like that, and I feel like I've become familiar with it. And so they are, like, any little prophetic word, you quote a verse at them, they are just, like, blown away and writing it down. And it's like, I want to get back to that childlike wonder where everything is brand new. And so, anyway, that challenged me, and I hope it just challenges you, especially the day after I, I did that message on being familiar. You know, we've got to move past that familiarity. So I've just kind of had it just striking me all week. So the Catholics are rising. If that messes up your theology, just enjoy Jesus. (laughs) All right. You guys good? (laughs) Calculating the percentage of people that fell. I mean, that's just a whole nother level. I'm sorry. All right. Um, Today I want to talk to you about Jesus paid for it all. And I kind of got this picture of the Word of God just washing over us. And so... Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So I don't believe it's just like you know Bible verses being quoted at you and all of a sudden faith rises up. It's the condition of hearing where the Holy Spirit is enabling your hearing. You guys know you can hear sermons and have nothing happen. Has anyone ever had that happen at another church other than Zion? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe even a few people here. And so uh, because it's a condition of the heart. And so it's never just this raw thing. But I believe that what we're praying, I've been praying for, the last couple days, is that God just will enable a hearing so that faith will rise up. But you're never going to be able to have faith for healing if you're not sure if Jesus paid for it. And so here's the question I want to ask. I've asked it before, but I want to really spell it out here. What if you received Jesus as healer the same way you received him as Savior? What I want to show is he paid for it, all part of the same package. And so maybe that's a new concept, maybe it's not a new concept. But my prayer is that the word of God just washes over you. Just any of that, just uh, stuff. So let's just kind of go for it. I uh, I have a lot of verses today. I don't usually do like a million verses. Usually like to hit one or two and really kind of go deep and expand on them. And uh, the the poor guys back there, he told me they have fifty slides today. And so, <laughs> man, it didn't feel like that many when I emailed it. But um, so let's just uh, let's just go for that. Um, why don't you receive Christ as your healer in the same way that you receive Christ as your Savior? You know, when I, um, when I examine what I believe about salvation, you know, I believe that it was in, you know, it's in the atonement. Jesus paid for it on the cross. He died for our sins. And so I don't wait until I feel saved to believe that I'm saved. Like, like I believe, like, Jesus was my Savior 2,000 years ago. Before I ever, before I ever had a sin problem, he had a solution. Like, like, he didn't just suddenly become my Savior. He didn't become Savior of the world the day that I figured it out, or, you know, the day that I said yes to him, right? Like, he already did that. Here's the thing, gang, he paid for healing 2,000 years ago. He's already your healer whether you receive it or not. And so so many of us are waiting to feel healed, then we'll believe that he's our healer. But the Bible says this, it says you believe and then receive. So I feel like so many Christians, we're trying to do it backwards. We're waiting to feel better and then yes. And it's like, I'm not talking about mind games. I'm talking about the same way you got saved. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I'm bringing to the table that's earning it. It's all his goodness. And so, yes, Jesus, I received the gift of salvation. Not I earned it. Not I doctrinally figured everything out. The people who came to Jesus in the Bible and were healed, which was everybody who came to him was healed. There's never an exception. So just let that wash over you. But those people had issues. Well, you know, what I'm saying like these weren't like this like the, the creme de la creme, the, you know, the best of the best. They were allowed to come to Jesus and receive prayer. Like like these were people who you know I, they didn't have lots of healing teaching. You know, they had the old covenants and they had you know the uh, the Pharisees teaching them in the synagogues. Like this wasn't like the greatest thing, and it didn't matter. They didn't have to have perfect theology. They didn't have to get rid of every sin in their life. They didn't have to. I think so many times we feel like we've got to jump through all these hoops. Oh, you need to break these generational curses. You need to go and pay back your tithes. You need to have good church attendance. You need, you know, it's all, no, no, no. They came to Jesus with all their issues, and they got everything they wanted and more in one encounter. Yeah. He never said, you know what? Uh, it's not my timing right now. You're in the middle of an important lesson. How many people have heard stuff like that? Oh, it might not be God's timing. Uh, that's not in the Bible. He says today is the day of salvation. Yeah. Salvation means saved, healed, delivered, prospered, and protected. I'm going to ask you a trick question, so I'm going to ask you not to answer it. Who's in control of healing? You or God? You're in control of healing. It's when you come to him in faith. He already paid. Who's in control of salvation? You or God? He already paid for it. It's when you come to him and believe, that's when you receive. So Jesus, he, uh, there, there was lots of lepers in Israel, The only ones who got healed were the ones who came and Jesus didn't just go, leprosy, gone. And it went like a a nuclear explosion all through Israel. It was the ones who heard the good news and had faith and came to him expecting to help. Those are the ones who were healed. You and I are the ones who determine when we get healed. It's when we come to Jesus expecting him to help. God's not up there, yeah, Jim, but God is sovereign. Yeah, and he sovereignly chose to say, I give you authority over every sickness, every disease, every evil spirit. Well, Jim, God allows sickness. No, God doesn't allow sickness. The church allows sickness. He put a gun in your hand and told you to shoot it. Listen, anytime a pastor stands up and says, it's always God's will to heal, it's a dangerous thing because people there's a tendency they want to begin to. It's it would be much easier for you to feel better about yourself if you were to simply say, Oh, you know, it must not have been God's will. Oh, it must not have been his timing. Oh, God is sovereign. And push it back on God rather than to take the responsibility and say, Listen, God, I don't understand everything, but I'm coming to you afresh. There is no shame in giving it your best shot and falling short. The shame is when you begin to blame it on God. God, you did this. You put this cancer on so-and-so. Guys, we don't see that anywhere in the Bible where Jesus put sickness on people to teach them a lesson. He only took it away. Steal, kill, and destroy is someone else's job description. Wherever you see loss, wherever you see death, wherever you see destruction, those are the fingerprints of the enemy life more abundantly that's the fingerprints of heaven Are we doing okay I don't want anyone feeling condemned but the problem is on the human side of the equation not the god side of the equation But how to get off on that So a lot of people say you know they really emphasize that you know Jesus paid for the forgiveness of sins you know you know hey it's more important that they're saved and that they're healed Well, I would agree if I had my choice between someone getting saved and going to heaven or having their body healed, you know, I I guess, but here's the thing, you don't have to choose. Can you imagine a drowning person and someone's like, I don't really care about the exterior material things, so I'm not going to save their clothes, I'm only going to save the person. So if you could, no, you yank the drowning person out and the whole thing gets saved. Humanity is in a hot mess, you know, sin. There's results of sin, you know, poverty, death, destruction, just all sorts of crazy stuff. And Jesus says, I'm going to redeem you from every effect of sin. John 1.29, uh, John the Baptist, he sees Jesus. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Takes away every effect of sin on planet Earth. Because he did. The Bible was written by Jews, mostly. I think we had uh, the book of Luke. He might have been Gentile. And so other than that, it's written. The Jewish mindset, they didn't separate... Body, soul, spirit. It was, it was one person. You know, it's like when you are in a relational disagreement with someone, it affects your emotions, right? It, it affects your physical body and your, your soulish emotions, right? Like they're all connected to each other. And so Jesus came to fix the whole mess. So let's get into some of these scriptures here. And um, what I want you to see is that sickness and sin were dealt with in the same package from Old Testament to New Testament, so Exodus chapter 3, uh, the, uh, Moses is giving instructions for the Passover. So Israel's in slavery. They're about to be delivered from Egypt. And so God gives them instructions. He's about to do the final plague of the ten plagues. There's going to be a Passover angel. And uh, there's going to be an angel that's coming. And anyone who doesn't have blood on their doorpost, that um, their, their firstborn son would be killed. And so the angel would pass over. So he's given these instructions, Exodus twelve three, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, each one for his household. Notice, the blood sacrifice was for, to atone or cover for sin. Remember, the, in the Old Testament, they, they sacrifice uh, animals on the Day of Atonement, and it would cover their sin for one year because it was never a permanent solution until Jesus came. It was foreshadowing, and then Jesus permanently took care of their sin. But this would cover their sin for a year. And then he goes on, The blood will be a sign for you, verse 13 on the houses where you are and when i see the blood i will pass over you no destructive plague will touch you when i strike egypt i want you to make this correlation that uh, the blood was to mark them as being purchased by god and it prevented them from receiving the plague so the blood covered their sin but i want you to see this it also healed their bodies we looked at this a couple weeks ago psalm 105:37 at last god freed all the hebrews from their slavery and sent them away laden with silver and gold of egypt and not even one was feeble on their way out. So here the blood covered their sin, and, they, uh, and so they didn't have the effects of that. But it also healed their bodies so that they walked out. None feeble among them. Isaiah thirty-three twenty-four, 24, the verse about our church. No one living in Zion will say, I am ill. And the sins of those who dwell there will be forgiven. Sin and sickness paid for in the same package. Malachi, also known as the Italian prophet Malachi, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness. What is righteousness? It's God's antidote for sin. It's your invitation to have his character. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. There it is. Righteousness and healing put together in the same package. It's interesting. The word there um, for wings is the Hebrew word kanaf. And it was, uh, it's also the same word for uh, when um, rabbis would wear um, tassels on the end of their garment. And so remember the lady who said, if I could just touch the edge of his garment... She may have had this verse in mind. The the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his kanaf. And she's recognizing this is the Messiah. And if I can just touch the wings, the head of his garment, I'll be healed. Sickness is to our body what sin is to our soul. Now, I don't want anyone in here who's struggling with a sickness to feel guilty that your sin's causing your sickness. That's not where I'm going with this. What I want to do is I want to bring you the conviction that you can receive everything that Jesus paid for. He doesn't part and parcel this thing out. Some things we only enter into because we're unwilling to stay where we are. You can sit and hear doctrine and agree with it mentally, but until it catapults you to say, listen, listen, when you're going to Jesus and asking for forgiveness of sin, I bet you there's just a real revelation of, man, this is, this is for me. It's not difficult to receive. We've got experience in this. We don't have that same kind of experience of seeing healing rapidly like this Jesus did he did that the early disciples they seem to have it I want us to recapture that same radical of the same way like it's not hard to ask for forgiveness of sin he's a good dad we come to him and receive it what if healing was that easy I believe it's supposed to be but I believe religion and disappointment's gotten in and familiarity and so we've got to we've got to hear these things afresh listen to Psalm 103 if you don't have any other verses on healing this is a pretty good one Psalm 103 verses one through three Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. David's commanding his soul to get in line. Mind, quit thinking this stuff. He's commanding his mind to get in line. And uh, verse two, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's actually command. Don't forget his benefits. Why is this important? Because God is calling us to be in a lifestyle where we're going to need this. We're going to be constantly needing to rehearse his benefits. Here's the benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity... It's another word for sin, and heals all your diseases. Okay, it's it's part of the same package, sin and healing. How are we doing? All right. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed, paralyzed man on a mat. They, could, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. I think we just read the story like a cute story, but just imagine like, you know, like preaching is going on and all of a sudden you like see the saw come through the ceiling here and it's like, it's, that's a lot of nerve. Okay, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole th- uh, through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Now I want you to notice this paralyzed man didn't come confessing his sins and asking for forgiveness of sins. Verse 6. Now there were some scribes sitting there. These were um, teachers of the law, people who were really strict on the law, and maybe sometimes they were missing what the law was pointing to in Jesus. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they, that they thus question within themselves. Notice that their questioning affects Jesus' spirit. He's actually picking up on the atmosphere that's happening there. Remember in Mark chapter 6, we, we looked at that all last week. Jesus, he's in Nazareth, in his hometown. You know, people are getting healed. They're stunned by it. And then they did that. You know, who, who is this guy that can operate like this? Don't we know him? It was actually, there is an atmosphere of unbelief that actually affected Jesus. And, uh, and, and we see the same thing going on here. And so Jesus said to them, verse 8, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your, uh, your bed and walk? The implication there is it's, it's kind of easy to say your sins are forgiven because it's invisible. You can't really see what happens. The more difficult thing is to really see if this guy who's paralyzed actually gets up and walks on a mat. Has anyone ever seen someone paralyzed on a mat get up and walk? It's a, it's a pretty graphic thing. I've seen it uh, two different times. Uh, b- both of them were in Uganda. One, um, I think it was our last trip there, they, uh, they carry this guy up on a mat and they put him on stage uh, during kind of like the ministry time. And, um, and so he's laying there. And I, Katie, I mean, remember that? I, you might have been over there praying about him. All of a sudden, the guy gets up and walks off the stage. Like, like no one's even praying for him. There was just kind of an atmosphere there. And it was like, Hold hold on, is that the same guy that got? And and another time, remember we were crammed in this. uh, We're in this village of Mayu. What was the first village we went to? Mayuge. Mayuge. And so we're uh, we're teaching in this. So there's this covered tin roof, and the tin roof is about six foot two at its peak, and I'm six three and three quarters, and so I'm standing like this, right in the peak, and the hot tin roof. So my head's at about 120 degrees, and so I look like a, um, you know. You know, like a creamsicle, like like white from the white down with like a red beet face, like purple-red. And I'm up there dying to wear sport coats. And, you know, that's kind of their culture. So I'm in the sport coat. I'm sweating. And so we've got, I don't know, 150, 200 pastors in there and their wives. And healing breaks out. And uh, there was a guy that they carried in on a mat. And so we're all praying, and the crowds are kind of grabbing us and the team. And we turn around, and there's a guy that they carried up on a mat who is now up dancing and praising God. And it's just like, like, I, I, I wish I'd have been paying attention, but there, were, there was more going on there. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen people get out of wheelchairs that had the atrophied legs and, and all that. And, I've, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an awesome thing. And here uh, Jesus is saying, hey, which is... I mean, if you were to put them on a scale in America today, it's like, which one is harder to do? Forgiveness of sins or, uh, you know, or healing of the body? I think we'd all be like, it seems like the healing of the paralytic is a little bit harder than the forgiveness of sins here. Here's what I want you to get. Um, Boy, I didn't write that part down. Oh, yeah, here it is. In the Bible days, they never doubted if Jesus could heal. They wondered if he could forgive sin. Today, believers don't doubt their forgiveness. They wonder if he still heals. What's the Bible say? He forgives all your iniquities and heals all of your sins. I'm just going to keep going on this, but I'm wanting this to just wash over you. That Man, I wanted to take out the knots. And us to see, what if we could come and get our healing and see others healed the same way that they can receive forgiveness of sins? It's literally that easy. Can you imagine blowing it? We ask for forgiveness, and God, God spoke in your heart and said, this forgiveness is not my timing. You know what? Oh, you need to go and fast a little bit more before you receive this forgiveness. You know what? You need to really mean it. I don't sense that you're sincere enough about like, no. When we come to God for forgiveness, we receive it right away. But we don't have that same revelation when it comes to healing. We figure, like, now I need to know a little more. i got to have more faith. Guys, one mustard seed of faith outweighs one ton of human willpower. Yeah. It's just coming to him, the, the, the preciousness of Jesus, and we get everything we, that he paid for. Uh, a couple centuries ago, uh, there was a reformer named Martin Luther. And he was a, a Catholic monk, and he gets this revelation that it is, we are saved by grace through faith. It's not through our own works. It's not through indulgences of the church. It's not through all these things that we do. It's through, it's through faith. And so he gets this revelation. And so uh, I don't know if you knew this, but for a couple centuries, even like during revival times, they had something called a mourner's bench where people would hear the gospel, and it would take them days and even weeks to break through to the point where they felt saved. They're confessing their sins. They these mourners' meant where people would come and wail and cry and, and sometimes take weeks to feel forgiven. But after centuries of, of, of revelation that is by grace through faith, now we can we, we could today, if you're not saved here today, we could pray with you and you could receive God in a way that you feel saved and your life is completely changed in one moment. Right? There's centuries of, of momentum of the gospel of grace going forth. We don't have centuries of momentum of the gospel of grace going forth with healing. The message of healing was really restored to the body of Christ probably in the late, late 1800s with John Alexander Dowie. And, I mean, you can still see there's still great persecution in the church over whether God even heals today. We could go to churches a couple blocks, a couple mile radius from here, and they would say this teaching is very suspect. And all I'm doing is really reading scripture and giving very little comment on it. So I want you to see we don't have that momentum, but God's changing it. You know, 10 years ago, you couldn't find a church that saw healing week after week. You couldn't name me. Or let's just go 15 years ago. Now, um, boy, there's churches all over this city that are healing, healing every single week, including ours. There's a momentum just in the last decade of what God's doing in here. So this is where it gets exciting. What gets exciting to me is when I look at our children's ministry. Like, where was that when we were 10? Like a new kid comes in and they put him in the hot seat and the kids gather around them and begin giving them prophetic words. That's how they induct the new kids. Like, What? What is happening in there? Like, you know, once a month they're coming and they're praying in the healing chairs. You know, we have uh, the, the white chairs on the other side of the sanctuary, and they'll pray for them. And I think last time they were either six for six or seven for seven. Seven people came in, six, seven people left healed. Like they haven't learned all the fear, doubt, and unbelief that we're trying to get rid of, myself included. And so I'm thinking, what's going to happen? Like, there's just such a momentum happening in what God's doing. It's very exciting. And so, um, listen, I'm sure they're going to pass us all up. But let's make him work for it. Let's make him chase us. You know what I'm saying? Let's not stand still in this thing. I want to go after everything he paid for. And if they pass me up, great. Help me know Jesus better. Share with me your learnings. I'm so sick of the been there, done that attitude. Yeah, we, Jim, we've heard teaching like this before. I remember when we really started seeing healing break out and the Holy Spirit do some cool stuff, like our first year or two or three here. People were like, yeah, we've seen all that before. And my response was, are you kidding me? You've seen all this, and you didn't steward it and increase it? What's wrong with you? Been there, done that. Yeah, we saw that in the... Yeah, we saw the charismatic renewal back in the 70s. Then why, ha- why are we having to build from ground zero again? Why aren't we going higher and higher? So, listen, here's the good news. Our kids are not going to have to build at ground zero. I, I mean, I didn't come up with the saying, but our ceiling will be their floor. They get to start, and so... Here's what inheritance is, is you get what somebody else paid for. Here's the good news about our movement is, um, we're, uh, I'll just say it like this, we're all riding Bill Johnson's coattails. Okay? There's nobody that I know of in our movement that has taken what Bill's done and has gone farther. And so we are so thankful that there are people like Kenneth Hagan and John G. Lake and you know, just go down the list of people who, uh, John Wimber, of people who have pioneered and paid a price that we get to, we get to stand on these things. But guys, let's, let's not forget where we, let's not shrink back because we've heard of these things. Let's let the reality of what they taught and experienced take it so we can go farther. Let's not fumble the baton. And so if you have heard these things before, see it, Paul. If you have heard of these things before, take them and rejoice that you don't have to invent these things and pioneer them again, and let's go farther. And if not for yourself, how about for your kids and your grandkids? How are we doing? Sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul. It's it's never God's plan. Again, if you're sick, it doesn't mean you're in sin. It just means that God has a better thing for you, so rejoice. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5 from the New Living Translation. This is speaking of the Messiah's suffering that he would endure, what his death would purchase. Yet it was our weaknesses or sicknesses he carried... The reason I put the things in brackets is because in those translations, it says this word could also be there. So it's all included. Yet it was our weaknesses, our sicknesses he carried. It was our sorrows, diseases that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole, and he was whipped so that we could be healed. Well, Jim, uh, Isaiah 53, it only applies to spiritual uh, sickness. And so, um, uh, here's the thing. The New Testament quotes Isaiah 53 and applies it to physical sickness. Listen to Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. So Peter was married. Go figure. He had a mother-in-law. Marriage. Okay. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to Jesus many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Now he's quoting this Isaiah passage. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Guys, Isaiah 53 just got applied to physical sickness right here in the New Testament. 1 Peter 2.24 quotes the same verse and applies it to spiritual sickness. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Here's how I like to say it. Jesus got what you and I deserved so we could get what he deserved. You guys have to understand, this is like the most unfair, unjust deal in history where he takes all the bad stuff and we get all of the good stuff. This is what he paid for, and so don't let the enemy dumb it down and say, oh, I'd rather, you know, if I had to choose, I mean, religion tries to shrink down what God has done, and it can come under the guise of being nice and trying to comfort people. So I remember when my sister passed away in May 2009, uh, there was people that tried to comfort us with, you know, God needed another angel in heaven. It's like, really? Like, were they that short staffed? You know, was it like, is there like some unemployment in heaven and they needed some more helpers? I'm like, guys, it's just so stupid. And, um, and say, well, you know, at least she received a spiritual healing, you know, when she got to heaven. Like, 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 that's true, guys. There's an ultimate healing up there, but it doesn't help the five kids left behind. Let's not pretend that this was God's will. I'll be honest, I'm not really all that hot on serving a God who's gonna kill people and leave behind, like, that's a monster. That's worse than Hitler. And yet people say, to, to comfort themselves, they come up with these doctrines so that we don't have to say, okay, God, make me the kind of person who can carry this truth. Whatever price and whatever disappointments I need to push past. That's uncomfortable. And as, as a pastor, it's harder to, uh, help people through those disappointing times than it is to just say, oh, you know, it must not have been God's will. Oh, you know, God's sovereign. Oh, healing's a mystery. Those may comfort you in the short term, but ultimately it's going to drive you from God because how can you trust a God who's up there with a magnifying glass burning ants, picking off people for his higher purposes? That's a monster. That's not the God of heaven described in the Bible. I got super good news for you. He's nothing like that. He if you fathers, even though you're evil, even though you got, you got your issues, um, wouldn't you give good gifts to your children? How much more your Father in heaven delights to give good gifts to those who ask him. It didn't say those who beg for him, those who earn it, those who grovel. Those who ask him. Let me just shift gears here a moment. It's interesting, the, the New Testament was written in Greek and uses this word uh, sozo and it, it, use it uh, for when God saved people, when he healed people, and he delivered people. It, it's the word salvation. And in context, it gets translated saved, healed, delivered, prospered, or protected. So Let's just look at those a couple things. So I want you to see, again, um, these verses put sin and sickness together, but even the word itself, it's the same word used in different situations because he paid for it all in one package. Remember when Peter was walking on the water and he began to sink and he cried out, Jesus, save me. Jesus didn't say, "You've already been saved. You believed in me at another time." Therefore, you know, as you sink down, my child, I bless you. You've already been saved. <laughs> like no, there was none of that going on. Don't worry if you physically drown because your spiritual body has already been saved, Peter. When uh, the, there was that storm and there, the life-threatening storm, and the disciples said, "Jesus, save us! We perish." Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. They're asking to be saved. And so he begins to lead them in the sinner's prayer. No, no, no. That word saved meant to deliver them from physical harm and danger. Okay? That's the same word. Let's just look at it here. Um, It includes the forgiveness of sins. Luke 7. Uh, verse 48, then Jesus, this is the uh, woman, she lived a sinful lifestyle. She encounters the goodness of Jesus. She falls at his feet, begins washing his feet with her tears and with her hair. She's just, she's overcome by the kindness of Jesus that he would look past her, her lifestyle and just love her no matter what. And so um, Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who's this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Here's the word sozo. Your faith has sozoed you. Go in peace. Here's this word applied to forgiveness of sins. He's saying, just as your faith has delivered you um, from your sinful lifestyle, you've been sozoed. You've been set free. Luke eight. There's a man, a man in the city of Gadarenes. He had thousands of demons. Remember, Jesus cast the demons out. The demons went into a, a bunch of pigs, and the pigs ran down and went into the water and drowned. Remember that? It was uh, the first instance of deviled ham. <laughs> Guys, don't encourage that kind of behavior. The water became known as the Bay of Pigs. Like, we're not even going to go there with that stuff. Really? Gnashing of teeth here on Sunday morning right here in Zion? Luke chapter 8, verse 36. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. There's the word "sozo." The man had been sozoed. The word is applied to forgiveness of sins. Here it is for the deliverance of demons. Luke 8, Jesus is walking through a crowd of people. They're pressing him. They're touching him. There's a woman who presses through, breaks all protocol, touches the hem of his garment. And then Jesus said, her daughter, your faith has sozoed you, has healed you. She had a condition that got healed. Go in peace. Guys, it's the same word, salvation. It's applied to the forgiveness of sins, the deliverance from demonic oppression, and the healing of your body. Here's the very next verses. Um, Luke eight uh, forty nine and 50. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be sozoed. She will be healed. Your daughter will be saved, kept, delivered from death itself. James chapter 5. Is anyone sick among you? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, the Lord will sozo him up, will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another, to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be sozoed, healed. Sickness and sin are dealt with in the same broad stroke, the same brush stroke again. The great healing revivalist, one of my personal heroes, John G. Lake, he said this, he was a 20th century healing revival. He says, I never hesitate to promise healing to anyone if they would truly trust Jesus for salvation, that the very same day they would be physically well. He had confidence knowing if I can get this person saved, they're going to get healed at the same time they're receiving it the same way. 1 John 3:8. the reason, I told you there's 50 slides here. I am like, I'm, I can't believe I have this many scriptures. Again, let it wash over you. Just wave after wave. God, you paid for this. Like, open up my mind. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Matthew 1, 21. She will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will redeem people from every effect of sin. Galatians 1, 3-4. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God, our Father. Notice he didn't say Jesus came to deliver it, and you'll get to enjoy it in the sweet by and by. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. I'm sure heaven will be better than we can ever imagine, but you don't have to wait for the, state, the, the sweet by and by. You can enjoy steak on your plate while you wait. What's the prayer? On earth as it is in heaven. God, make up there, no sickness, no demonic torment, no poverty, no emotion, emotional problems. Make up there, come down here. The reality of your world, invade this one. You guys know, that's our marching orders. It isn't to pray this person and get in heaven when you die. It's, I, I say this, God is not trying to get you into heaven when you die. He's trying to get you into heaven before you die. He's trying to help you enter into the reality of that kingdom. And now we get to become a part of the family business, which is on earth as it is in heaven. To make the reality of your home, your workplace, your family reunions, whatever we get to bring the reality of heaven there. He paid for the forgiveness of your f- sins, John 129. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We already saw He did it for the healing of your disease. He bore your sickness, carried your pain, by his stripes were he healed. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Jesus is the one who will heal us emotionally. Isaiah 61.1 says he heals the brokenhearted. Um, he, did, he paid for addictions and bondage to sin or habits. Um, uh, it says he came to set the captive free. He came to deliver you from depression. Colossians 1.13, bring those from darkness to light. Acts twenty-six seventeen and eighteen uh, he breaks demonic bondage and torment. You go from the power of Satan to the power of God. He says he's the propitiation for our sins in First John. Uh, propitiation for our sins not only for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world propitiation means God had this wrath against and he hated what sin did to people and it was like a consuming fire in the old testament and his wrath against sin came upon Jesus Jesus became sin and now he has no more wrath Danny Silk uses this word you are unpunishable Jesus took fear out of the equation with your relationship and his relationship not that there's not a fear in awe, but that unhealthy fear of God's going to lay the smack down on me, he took that out of your relationship and made you unpunishable. Jesus came not just so you could be tolerated, but accepted and valued by God the Father. One more thing that he paid for um, is your abundant provision of your finances, 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Oh no Jim, here comes the health and wealth gospel. You did the healing and now you're doing the wealth. Listen, he didn't die for the sickness and poverty gospel. Okay, we, I, I, I've done sermons on this. I wrote a book on this. I'm not going to try to rehash this whole thing. But When it says Jesus was rich though he became poor, that word rich is used of financial, uh, speaking of finances in every case in the New Testament. People say, oh yeah, he paid for spiritual riches. He did, but that's just not what this verse is talking about. We're like, Jim, what does it mean to be rich? I don't know, let's find out together so that we can be a blessing to this city. Listen, there isn't anybody in here who's living out the fullness of what Jesus paid for. And I, I, it's not, listen, if I... Listen, if my child gave up their life, like pushed you out of the way of a car so that you could live, I mean, just whatever that happened, you know, I wouldn't think that you were humble if you just said, you know what, I feel bad. The rest of my life, I'm just going to sit and not do it. Like, I'd say, like, live your destiny. There was a price that was paid so that you could shine. Okay? It's not a humble thing to just say, oh, you know what, I just, you know, the forgiveness of sins is enough. You know, like, I don't want to be greedy, you know. And I, it's like, like, he wants you to live an abundant life. Saved, healed, delivered, prospered, and protected, emotional problems, healthy relationships. He wants you to have abundant life. He paid for it all. And what I'm saying is we've got to learn to receive those benefits the same way we receive healing. I mean, the same way we receive forgiveness of sins. Jesus said healing is the children's bread. It it just belongs to us. It's part of what was paid for. In John nineteen thirty, he said, "It is finished." Uh, The New Testament was written in Greek. This is in the perfect tense. Here's what this means: I'm, I'm circling in for landing. If this is, if that helps you, Jesus says, "It is finished." It could be translated this way: "It is perfectly perfect." It is completely completed. It is perfectly complete. It is completely perfect. All those would be valid translations. So I say this. God the Father is completely satisfied with what Christ paid for on your behalf. Is it enough for you? It's enough for God. Is it enough for you? Or do you feel like you need to do something to pry God's hand open, to give him a reason to bless you? That's called works. And it will cut you off from grace. Here's the good news is it was enough for Jesus. All we need to do is look at that, look at Jesus. Faith rises in our heart and we say, yeah, that's for me. There's that thank you of faith. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you're good. He'll heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. He only heals people who don't deserve it. The moment we begin to try to deserve it, we get into works. And so we just say, God, I don't deserve this. Yes, please. So I'm going to make this declaration again. I think I made it every week I've been here. It's a wonderful picture of Zion in the Old Testament. It's the community of God. It's where the people of God met the presence of God. It was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a mountain where they came and they worshiped God. They actually set up 24-7 worship, and I believe that now we are that tabernacle. We are Mount Zion. It's moved down the inside of us now where we can have access to God's presence 24-7. How are we doing? Okay? Okay. And so uh, here, here's what God's promise was to that community. And no inhabitant of Zion will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. In other words, they're walking with a full realization of what was purchased. And so um, I'm going to go after something just a little bit different today. And so if you guys could stand. Guys, mind if we just try and experiment? So... Um, any pictures of lab rats and guinea pigs, it's probably accurate. And so um, you know, I'm, I'm just teasing. Here's what I want to do is so we're not powerless victims when it comes to sickness, if you're a believer. It's not like, okay, you know, it's up to God and maybe, you know, I can throw up this prayer and win the healing lotto. Jesus did something interesting. He took, he took the things that Jesus did and he put them in our hands. And so he said, I've given, in Matthew 10, he says, I've given you authority over every sickness, every disease, every evil spirit. You have authority over sickness. Here's what authority means. Get the picture of um, a power of attorney, where it's like if I give Sean power of attorney to go sign something on behalf of our family, when Sean signs it, it's as if I'm signing it myself because he's acting in my authority. So when Jesus says, I give you my authority, anything you ask for in my name I will do it. It's as if Jesus himself were asking it. We need revelation on this. We can't just do this by theory. But I want you to see what was paid for. So God's solution to the healing on this planet is your hands. I want you to look at your hands for a moment. I want you to get this thought. These babies are loaded. (laughs) Like, I need to be careful where I point these things because there's an anointing on these hands. See, you got saved when you believe in God. You get dangerous when you realize he believes in you there is no plan B. You are plan A. There is no plan B. And so he put healing in your hands. And so he made statements as simple as this. He says, um, these signs will follow believers. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll, get re- they'll recover. And so I'm asking God to just give us that same reality. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go from head to toe, name some body parts. If you have something going on in that body part that needs healing, raise your hand and we're going to have the people around you repeat a prayer of authority, commanding that sickness to leave. And let's just see what happens. Awesome. Do it. That's it. yeah. The worst that could happen is maybe you accidentally get blessed in the wrong part of the body. I mean, that's probably the worst thing that could possibly happen. But I want you to remember how this happens as we're getting ready to do this. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Just enjoy the Lord. Don't get into all this. What about this? And what if He doesn't name my body part? And what happens if nothing happens? Listen, just enjoy the Lord. The Bible says believe and then receive. And so Jesus, I, I just thank you for that I'm going to receive this healing the same way I received the forgiveness of my sins. By grace through faith. Jesus, you paid for it all. Yes, please. I'll take that. I remember um, when uh, Brian Simmons, one of my favorite teachers here, about a year and a half ago, he called out a word of knowledge, which is a gift to the Spirit where God will highlight a condition he wants to heal. He called out a word of knowledge for um, Crohn's disease and I did not have Crohn's disease. I had a severe gluten allergy for 15 years, and I was like, close enough. Raised my hand, stood up, boom, instantly healed. I've enjoyed donuts and pizza this week, perhaps a little too much. So don't get technical on this thing. I'm not trying to do words of knowledge. Here's how it's gonna go. You ready? If you have any problem from your uh, face up, we're gonna go off your neck in a second. From your face up, mental problems, ears, eyes, jaw, lips, cheeks, forehead, occipital lobe, parietal lobe, frontal lobe, brain, inside the brain. I don't even care. If there's anything from your jaw line up, raise your hand. Oh, man. All right. Find somebody around you that uh, has their hand raised. And if you have two hands, you may have to lay one on one person, one on another. You can put your hand down when someone lays a hand on you. Okay? Listen, you're not praying yet. We're going to use our authority. Listen, we got someone in the front row here. If someone could come over there. Someone with a free hand. (laughs) Guys, these things are loaded. Be careful. What if we got to the point where our healing anointing was so strong, we had to wear a disguise to go outside because there's a line of people waiting to get healed by these babies? (coughs) Seem like I've wanted to wear a disguise my whole life. I just led you in the wrong direction there. Okay. <clears throat> Those of you receiving healing, eyes on Jesus. Just enjoy the Lord. Those of you who are getting ready to pray for healing, eyes on Jesus. Enjoy the Lord. Okay, so repeat after me this prayer. Um, head? head. I, command I command you to be healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Everything from the top of the head, the of the head, of the head. to the jaw. Be made whole in Jesus' name. All right, now if you're able to check it out, move around a little bit, do your jaw, see if there's a headache, I don't know what's going on. But how many of you are feeling improvement, 50% or more, anybody, they got their head prayed for? Over there, over there, over there, awesome. Okay, let's go, let's keep going. Keep checking your, uh, the, the, the condition as we're going, okay? So don't stop believing after the prayer ends. we're just gonna go. Neck, so from the top of your clavicle, To the bottom of your jawline. There's something going on. Is it the L4? I don't understand all that. Neck. Something going on in your neck, throat, side of throat. I don't even know what's going on. Here to here, you got a problem. Raise your hand. Okay. Find somebody with a hand raised. I'm about to break into the song Head, shoulders, knees, and toes in a second here. Okay? (laughs) Maybe if the kids were in here, that's how we would. You know, maybe we will do that at the end. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Heal my toes. Heal my toes. Okay. So, all right. all right. Eyes on Jesus. We're just enjoying. The- There's no striving. There's no- there, guys, we're just praying a prayer of authority. You don't have to feel it. I Pray this prayer. Neck. Throat. Whatever's going on in there. Be healed in Jesus' name. All right. Move around. Twist around a little bit. See what's happening there. Okay. How many of you are feeling some relief? 50% or more from the neck thing. Anybody? Feeling it? Awesome. Over there? There? Awesome. Anyone else? Here? Yay, God. Okay. From the top of your clavicle to the top of your waist heart, lungs, kidneys. Um, I don't even know what all is in there. <laughs> spleen. Anyone have a spleen problem? Yeah. Okay. Anything going from the uh, top of your clavicle to your waist? Raise your hand. That's lower back, back, all sorts of stuff in there. Okay? Gather around them. Listen, you can have one hand raised and one hand laying. It's allowed. Okay? And so when someone has their hand on you, put your hand down. So I want to make sure everyone's getting prayer. Okay, so do you have a hand on you? You can put it down. I just want to make sure. Anyone have their hand raised that does not have someone praying for them? Okay. Um, here we go. You guys ready? Torso. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, be healed. Okay, wiggle around. Some of you want to go out, in the, uh, go out, take a little walk in the aisle there, begin to feel. I know it's a big area, but it's a big God, okay? How many of you are feeling like, hey, something's happening in my torso region? Over here, awesome, back there, awesome. Anybody else? Something's happening, over there, yeah, yay God, awesome. Are right, you guys ready? Hips to the knees, hips to the knees, reproductive organs, buttocks. <laughs> You know what? We had a lady who um, was severely abused, and as a result of it had muscle atrophy in one butt cheek. So she had to wear, uh, like, inserts to make it look like she had a butt. And she got prayer, and her butt grew back. So we're keeping our hands on the shoulders. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. All right? So uh, no laying hands on the prostate or anything like that, but here we go. Waist to knees, okay. Raise your hand. Do we do this? Raise your hand if you got to something there. Do we already do that already? Okay. So, all right, here we go. Um, hips, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. Thighs, femur, front side, back side, <laughs> in the name of Jesus, be made whole. All right. I don't know how you're going to check some of this out, but check it out. You guys can be creative here. If we need a hula hoop, we can get a hula hoop. There's probably one around here. I remember one time someone gave a prophetic word about a sword, and someone found a sword and brought it on stage. I'm like, who's bringing swords to church? You just never know. And so, um, all right. Hey, how many of you are feeling some type of relief between there? Awesome. Back there. Awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, back there. Thank you, Jesus. Over there, yeah, awesome. Okay, knee problems. Let's just go right down to the toes. Let's just make it easy. Knees, ankles, shins, calf, toes, carcels, metacarcels, or whatever those things are called. I'm trying to show off, but it's not working. Okay. Arthritis, anything that's going on. Knees to toes, raise your hand. Raise your hand, knees to toes. Okay, and you can put your hand down when someone uh, puts their hand on you. Guys, I know we're moving quickly through these things, but just eyes on Jesus and don't try too hard. Okay? Sweat and bearing down isn't going to help. All right, you guys ready? In the name of Jesus, knees be healed, calves be healed, shin splints, varicose veins, ankles, toes, on the bottom of the feet, in the name of Jesus, be made whole. All right. Now some of you, why don't you take a little walk, wiggle around, squat down a little bit, macarena, do something? All right, how many of you are feeling uh, 50% or more relief in the, from the knees to the uh, feet? Oh, yeah, back there. I see it. Back there, back there. Yay, God. Let's just go after uh, um, skin condition. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with these here. I don't think like I'm going to do a magic trick like, whoa, hey, look at that. <laughs> Josh Richter, you're awesome. That's our children's pastor. Let's give it up for our children's pastor, Josh Richter. Come on. <laughs> so I meet with our staff every week. I meet with our um, them with personal our one-on-one, Mary and I do uh, every other week. And so the more I meet with Josh Richter, I'm like, you're a really good children's pastor. Like, the more we meet with him, I'm like, you guys are doing awesome stuff, and they're just, they're, they're killing it. They're killing it, so we're so thankful for them. We love them, so good job. Let's just go after skin conditions. Anything going on in your skin? I don't, maybe it already got named, but it's not going to get hurt to pray a second time, all right? So something going on in the skin. Am I missing anything? All right. All right, skin, raise your hand, and then when someone is, uh, puts a hand on your shoulder, you can put the hand down. All right, anybody else? Yeah, okay, in the back there, awesome. Anyone else uh, with a hand raised that doesn't have somebody praying? Skin? All right. You guys ready? Let me just tell you one quick testimony. So there was this kid with an autoimmune disease, and his body was covered in spots like a leopard. And uh, the the kids, I think it was about 10 or 11, the kids at school made fun of him and called him the leopard. You can just imagine, kids are so mean. So he's just a sweet kid, and uh, we prayed for him. And uh, it, was, it was amazing. He had shorts on, and he had on a T-shirt. And, and we watched it, and um, it went from his ankles up to his knees, and the spots disappeared. Whew. He lifted up his shirts, and we saw the spots. And as he lifted up his shirt, the spots disappeared all the way up to his um, face. Got completely healed right there. <laughs> Mom falls on her knee, begins praising God, saying this will change his life forever. And so um, I also had a skin condition, and um, the, per- the person praying for me, name drop Andrew Womack, and he said... Um, this thing's going to be like that tree where Jesus cursed the tree and it uh, showed up three days later. And so um, sometimes when you pray, it's like the, th- the root of it is killed, but it takes a little while for it to, to, to happen. And so um, I had these blisters all over. And uh, three days later, he says, where's that Jim Baker? Where's he at? And so um, I raised my hand. I came up and they were, they were all dried up. It was like, almost like scabbed over. And so sometimes it happens like that. We'll take either way. Okay. And so ready? Skin be made whole in the name of Jesus. I release miracle power on you in Jesus' name. All right. So sometimes it's instant. Sometimes uh, it's progressive. Uh, Guys, I want you to notice. Okay, so if you got uh, 50% more breakthrough on any of these things, I want you to raise your hand right now. Anybody, just raise your hand all over. That's a good number of people. Yeah, yay God. Let's debrief and then let's dismiss. I want you to notice you used your authority. Okay, I find that the quicker I pray, the less time I have to doubt. If I get longer prayers, I, I'm, I'm just being honest, I feel like I'm trying to get the right words and say some, like get the cosmic tumblers of heaven to line up if I can get the right language. It's not about that. Okay, it's just so Jesus, uh, so it's always God's will to heal. The question is, how does he want to do it? And so we can talk about the anointing another time, but if you're not hearing anything specific, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I close with this story just to remind you of this. Um, uh, Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagan, two of the greatest healers in the past uh, century, uh, they had a conversation, and uh, it went like this. I don't remember who said it to what? I, I, I think I told the story weeks ago, but they said this. Um, one said to the other person, "You know, at the end of this thing, you and I are, are going to be the only two left standing out of all the healing revivals William Branham, Jack Co., A. A. Allen, all these people. You and I are only going to be the only two left standing because we know how to get healed out of the word of God. They only know how to get healed out of the anointing." Okay? All those guys died within like 10 years of the, of the ministry. Jack Coe, A.A. Allen, William Brown, all those guys who only knew how to get healed out of the anointing. Um, uh, Kenneth Hagin and all Roberts lived a long and full life. Okay? What I'm talking about authority is you don't need to feel it. Okay? I, I've been in those meetings where it's like, everybody stand up, hold up your hands, Holy Spirit come. If you're feeling the tingling and the anointing on your hands, come forward, that's a healing anointing. And I was never the guy who felt the tingling and I was always going, well, what about me? Well, I guess healing's not for me, okay? I'm sure that's not the message that those um, healing revivalists intended to convey, but he does get conveyed that. Listen, um, if you're not feeling the anointing, you've got something better. You've got authority. You don't need a word from God. You have the word of God that says, these signs will follow them that believe. Lay hands on the sick, they're gonna recover. You don't need anything more than that. But if God's telling you something, go with that. If you're not hearing anything, shoulders be healed, Jesus' name, check it out. We saw one summer, without exaggeration, uh, we saw seven to 800 people healed in one summer. I'm talking Lou Gehrig's disease. I'm talking like dead raising, just crazy stuff. And someone asked me, like, Jim, what was the biggest lesson you learned? And I said, the shorter the prayers, the better. Now I want you to look at Jesus' prayer. Stretch out your hand. Take up your mat. Little girl, wake up. Eyes be opened. It wasn't from the north to the south or the west of, the west of our time, such as this I decree and I declare. It's like, stop trying to convince yourself. It's not about your many words that you're going to get the prayer answered. Shoulder be healed. Check it out. I'm just saying, try it. Okay? All right. God bless you guys.